0: Well, hey, good morning again, everybody. Thanks for coming to ACF Church. We're so glad that you're with us today. We also want to give a huge welcome to all of our friends who are going to be with us online. Can we welcome them today as well? That's awesome. I was a little weak. That's okay. Um, You guys are just waking up, uh, and you should be really rested, but you're not. It's funny. I've heard from like five people that they are more tired today than typical. So I think it's like you stay up way later because you feel like you've got all this extra rest, and then you wake up, and you're tired. Before we get too far into this, uh, we have an announcement this morning. Pretty excited to announce the newest member of ACF Church right here. Uh, This is introducing little miss Charlotte Kate Poteet. And so uh, she was born Stewart, if you don't know who Stewart is, is Pastor Stewart. Um, our pastor of discipleship at ACF Church, and uh, finally, uh, they had their little one, and she was a little late, uh, but she's here, and she's healthy, and mama's great, and so we just are excited and celebrating with them this week, so uh, make sure um, you congratulate them. If you see them, give them a call, uh, write a message on Facebook. Uh, We're just grateful for new life in the church, so that's how we grow the church, through babies, lots of babies in ACF Church, Um, but uh, we are in a series if you are new here, and uh, I just want to catch you up a little bit. it's called Civil War, and uh, we, we talked about this series a, a couple of months ago as, uh, as the tensions were rising around us, uh, politically speaking, relationally speaking, lots of tension in the air, and so we thought, what better time than now to talk about our relationships and how we can uh, be in this community together yet maybe disagree with each other. And I didn't even intend for it to get maybe as political as it has been. And I think I've steered clear of maybe some of the the major landmines. But we have still talked about how uh, there's a lot of tension in the air politically speaking. And this is a big week too, isn't it? I mean, this is it. And uh, we're praying. And I voted Wednesday. And I was just grateful to worship on Wednesday night because I kind of needed to rinse the taste out of my mouth a little bit. It was, I don't know if you voted. Anybody voted yet? A few of you voted. So did you walk out and you're like, I just need to worship Jesus right now? I just need to, I need to go somewhere and just say that He is Lord and He is King and, uh, and nothing will change on the ninth about that. Amen? That's a good thing. And so, uh, by the way, if, if, uh, if I don't mention it at the end, uh, we have maybe the most important gathering coming up uh, this week that we've had uh, for a year. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get together and we're going to worship and we're going to pray as a church. And so our goal is to pack the house out on Monday night, 7 p.m., Um, We will have some childcare here and so I want to invite you and your families to come here and uh, what better time For the church to pray for its city and for its nation, Amen. So uh, I think this is important. Um, Scripture says it calls us as God's people to fall on our knees and be praying. Um, If you're not doing it, nobody else is. Like we, we as the church are the ones who should be praying and who are uh, petitioning for God to work around us. And so we believe in that. We think prayer changes things. It really does. Um, it really changes the climate of our community as well as our own hearts. And so um, this may not be something that you do a lot. You may not be like a great prayer or whatever. That's totally cool. We're not going to force you to get up front and to say anything. We're just going to fill this room out. We're going to praise God. We're going we're to pray, and uh, just uh, we're going we're to ask him to continue to move through um, our political uh, season. And so uh, grateful for that. But. Um, So be here for that. And uh, anyway, this series is about relationships. The first week I talked about how we can be different from somebody, yet we can delight in them. Which I hope that you've been able to apply that somewhere in your life where somebody you've disagreed with, you can still actually enjoy them. Just like God disagrees with you and me and yet he still delights in us. And that's a good thing. That's good news, isn't it? That, that although we don't see things right and uh, many times we make decisions and say things that don't honor God, he still in all of his grace is able to have a relationship with us. And so he models that beautifully as, as we go out into our world, and we see people that disagree with us. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but there's tension. But we can still also have a relationship with those people, just like Christ can have a relationship with us. Then the second week, uh, Angela did a beautiful job about talking about um, what is our, who's our enemy, like what is the enemy actually about, and how to not shoot the person next to you. Uh, friendly fire is not a great thing when it comes to conflict. And last week we talked about having a good fight, a good clean fight. And I said, well, you need to lean into conflict sometimes because some relationships are worth it. Some people, you know, you, don't, you can just see them move away and move on and there can be a disconnect and it's not a big deal. But there are people in your life that are worth the fight worth the F worth the awkward conversation and so I shared a little bit about my story and some awkward conversations I've had in my life that have led to real restoration in so many ways and so um, this this last week I'm gonna go a little bit uh, of the other direction and talk about when to draw boundary lines when to actually uh, create a separation between you and somebody else and I just want to preface with this this is a tough conversation for Christians if you've been in the church a long time and, and you, uh, you are a believer and uh, you know the word, you know that it, it means loving people. That, that when you love Jesus, you love people. And so what that often brings up is attention and knowing when to disconnect from people. Like when is it loving somebody to not be in their life? I mean, doesn't it mean that we need to be in close proximity to everybody? And so a couple questions just to kind of get things stirring in your mind. So the first question is this. In the past month, Have you said yes to something that you should have said no to? Have you said yes to something that you should have said no to? And so you can probably think of something, I should have said no to this one thing, whatever it may be, um, but I, I, I said yes to it. And I want to ask you this question, how much did it cost you to say yes to the thing that you should have said no to? And so, so one question, next question is this, have you ever tried to help somebody and end up hurting them? Just raise of hands. Have you ever tried to help somebody and ended up hurting them? Okay, so a few of you guys, you've tried to do the right thing in a situation, tried to make it better and ended up hurting that person. These are all like symptoms of us trying to like help in a situation, trying to make it better and then we're like, ah oh, man, I, I should have said no to this or maybe I should have drawn some distance and not been the person to lean in and try to fix this other person and it didn't work out so well. Boundaries, I believe, are so important in our lives, so key. Like, we need to know how to draw lines in every single area of our lives. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you're not going to live forever. And time is finite. I don't know if you know this too, but your energy is finite. You only have so much to give, so much to offer. Uh, the, the, day, the, the, the hours in the day are short, and so if we're not careful, our hours and our energy and our resources will be burnt up by things that don't truly matter. And I struggle with this often, um, struggle with just when to say no to people and how to draw boundaries, I'm a little codependent in many ways, and so I tend to lean in uh, to people who are who are upset or are struggling with things and wanna make them better, wanna make them feel better so that I can feel better. And it ends up, sometimes I end up spending the most time with the wrong people, you know? We tend to be the kind of people that search out the fires and spend all of our time putting out fires when there are people over here uh, who we should be mentoring and investing in who are getting no attention because we're so busy over here trying to fix the problems. This is a hard thing. If you're a business owner, you know this. A lot of your time maybe is spent dealing with the troublesome employee, the employee that just doesn't get it, and trying to figure out, how do I mentor them, or how do I fire them, or what do I do with this person? And, and, and then over here are 12 other employees that are just doing great, and they need your encouragement, and they, they need, need your mentorship, but you're, they're getting no attention, because all of our time is spent over here. You know, this as a parent. You know, you've got the one kid that just doesn't get it, and you've got the other couple kids over here, and they're cruising along. And at some point, they're like, you know what? This whole being doing the right thing and listening to my parents thing isn't really turning out real good. I don't really get any attention over here. Um, the kid that gets all the attention is the kid that's screwing off all the time, you know? And so it's just hard to figure out when are we missing the boat with those things? We need to draw lines. We need to know when to just kind of create space. So just another quick little exercise. Anybody got a phone? You guys got a phone? Pull out your phones real quick. If you have a cell phone, pull your cell phone out. I want you to do something real quick for me. Mason, my phone is right behind that computer. Um, the computer, right? yeah, bring that up to me, would you? Yeah, so everybody's got a cell phone. Here's what I want you to do. Bring that to me real quick. This is, you guys aren't going to believe this. So on the side of your phone or on the top of your phone is a button. And so I, you may have never seen this. There's a button on the side. And what I want you to do is push it in. I want you to hold it. Just do this for me. Just bear with me real quick. Push it in and hold it. What's going to happen if you've got an iPhone is there's going to be this little slidey thing. And it's going to re- make you really anxious when you see this. And uh, thanks, John Bolsterge, for loving me. He's um, got a text. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to slide that. And you're going to want to feel the burn for a second. Just feel the tension rise in your life. Just do it real. And maybe you're like, I'll do it, and you're not doing it. But just do it for me real quick. <laughs> do <it. laughs> Everybody in the room, try it for me. Just, this, is, this is going to be 30 minutes. I swear, once the worship set starts, you can ignore Mason and get back on your phone and you know look up score. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But get off your phone for just a second. Here's the thing. In my life, this thing is uh, it's both a, a curse and a blessing, isn't it? Uh, every, every meal we get together as a family, I have every intention of sitting down and giving my family my full um, and undivided attention. And lo and behold, halfway through, it always lights up. And whatever's going on on this phone is always more important than the people are, that are in front of me, always. And I just can't help it. I don't want to miss out. You know, what if somebody needs me? What if somebody's dying, you know? That's what I always, I always go through, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen. Now, some of you, if you actually did this, um, Jesus knows Jesus knows if you're listening, if you actually did this, you're feeling a little tension in your heart right now. Like you're wondering what if my parents need to call me, what if a friend needs to, what if at work something starts falling apart. And you know that if there's tension in your heart, what that probably means is you don't turn this stupid thing off enough. In fact, I have friends who are like, I have to go to the mountains and get off of, uh, you know, the cell towers to be able to get a little peace and quiet in my life. And I'm always like, no, you don't. There's a button on the side of this stupid thing. You shut it off, and then there's peace, and there's quiet. But we don't like to do that. We don't like to draw lines and boundaries. You know, it seems like, you know, who needs more rules in their life? Really? I mean, who needs more rules? Oh, we don't like rules. In fact, um, I can't. I can't even read it. I, I had something written down on my phone, but I'm going to go without it. So anyway, if you want to, actually, let's do this. We're going we're to read God's word, and I'm going to read it out of the message. I want you to stand up real quick. Stand up. I'm engaging you because you're a little little uh, asleep today. I'm going to read God's Word. We're going to stand in honor of that. Um, we don't always do this, but we stand in honor of a lot of things in our culture. Uh, let's stand in honor of the Word. So this is Genesis chapter 1, and uh, I love this in the message translation. It talks about how everything was created. It says this, first this, God created the heavens and the earth. All you see, all you don't see Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. God spoke light, and light appeared. God saw that the light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day and named the dark night. It was evening and it was morning, day one. God spoke sky in the middle of the water, separate the water from the sky. God made sky. He separated the water under sky from the water above sky. And there it was. He named sky the heavens. It was evening. It was morning, day two. God spoke, separate water beneath heaven, gather into one place, land, appear, and there it was. God named the land earth. He named the pooled water ocean, and God saw that it was good. You guys can be seated. So I love this passage, and you've probably heard it before. I love it in the message translation. It's a, you know, it, it's a paraphrase, but it gives us an idea of, of maybe even some of the emotion and the excitement in this moment as God creates everything. And as, as I was reading this uh, passage this week, what I realized is that God is a God of boundaries. God is a God that draws lines and creates separation, And in the very beginning, when the earth was created, the first thing that, the way it describes it is that the earth was a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness, and God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. So it's, another term that's used is chaos. Like in the very beginning, before there was any separation on the world, there was just chaos, chaos. And so then God started separating the waters from the land, from the sky, and then what we ended up in the very end, what's the last thing he said? He made all of this and God said that it was good. It was good. So one thing we, we got to know from the very start as we get into this conversation is that when God draws boundaries, it's always good. When God draws boundaries, it's always good. And, and, and it's a lot easier to say that than it is to believe that, but I believe that that, that is so true. It's always good. When God draws boundaries. See, a world without boundaries is a world of chaos. It's a world of chaos. Just like, if you want to write this down, a life without boundaries is a life of chaos. If you don't know how to say no to things, and how to say yes to things, how to draw lines in your life, it's going to be chaos. You're going to be doing all of this stuff and you're going to lay your head down on your pillow at night. And you're going to wonder, why do I want to get up again tomorrow morning? Like, what's the point of all of this? And in fact, if you uh, need some extra reading on this issue, if you're already being convicted by this, um, there's a great book called Boundaries that I would actually really encourage you to grab. In fact, a few of the things I'm going to talk about today are from that. It's a Cloud and Townsend, great book, classic reading on uh, drawing lines in your life. But there's part of the book that's called Necessary Endings. And necessary endings are things that need to stop so that other things can begin. It's learning that whether it be this relationship or this habit or this thing in your life that's taking energy and resources and time, that this thing needs to stop so that I can go over here and do other things. I shared with you a few weeks ago that ACF Church is always into necessary endings. We are into stopping things so that we can start new things. And we're always more dedicated to the mission than we are to the medium. And what I mean by that is that we can continue to be dedicated to the mission of reaching our city, of sharing the good news. But we are not so dedicated to the medium. You know, like we're not dedicated to a certain type of ministry or a certain type of outreach. Like we don't have to be doing in 10 years the same things, I hope not, the same things we're doing today in 10 years. And so that's a good thing. And a lot of churches struggle with this, that as the church grows and moves forward, they never shut anything down. And so 20 years later, they do everything not that well, right? And so we've said, we want to do a few things really, really well and be focused and not be a church that does absolutely everything. Maybe you're seeing in your life that this is a habit of not saying no to things, of not getting rid of things. Maybe you've got the garage that you can't park in, right? Because it's so full of junk that you don't need. And, and because that's just, you're, you're a hoarder, and, and just admit it, it's good. It's the first step to getting better and getting healthy is just admitting I'm a hoarder, and I know it. And I don't like to throw stuff away, because the second I do, I need it, right? I need it. I couldn't go to the store and buy that 10-cent bolt, so I need, you know, 30,000 bolts in the garage. I'm speaking for myself here. So um, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. I'm getting better. I'm, I'm a recovering hoarder. But it, there's just something in you that says, if I get rid of it, I'm going to need it. I'm going to need that. And even sometimes there's an emotional response to our things, isn't there? Like there are certain things you're like, oh, I remember when I bought that, that we were first married, it was our first table, and I know the leg's falling off, and, you know, it's like all the the finish is peeling off, and I'm totally going to resurface that and, 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 you know, go, you know, full, like, remodel on that table someday, and you're never going to do it. But you can't help yourself. you got to keep that stupid table around, whatever it is, because we become emotionally attached to these things but they've got no real value, no real worth in our lives, and the reality is they're just taking up space. They're taking up space, and, and so what we do is maybe we, you go buy you know, space in another building, and you store all your junk in that building so you don't have to look at it, but still it's taking resources to rent that building and space to, to, to put your stuff there, and at some point we have to go, you know what, it's time to do some spring cleaning. It's time to clean out my life. And so, again, life without boundaries is a life of chaos. It's a life without focus. It's a life where we don't know what we need to be about. Galatians 5.1, I love this passage. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ has set you free. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't submit to the law. The law will not do what grace can do, what Jesus has done for you. So although the law can be helpful and it can be good so that we understand what God calls us to do, what is true, what is right, don't submit to it. Submit to Jesus. He's the only way that we will move forward in this life. And so he's saying, listen, it's easy to submit to these things and to let these things be in your life that that don't actually give you life. They don't actually give you life. In the end, coming to church, doing the right thing, those things don't give you life. Jesus gives you life. And so what he's encouraging these people to do is, like, don't submit to those things. Submit to Jesus and let your obedience be an overflow of your submission to Christ. And understand that you can never earn what Christ has already given you. And so when you know that, when you get your priorities all right, certain things don't matter. And new things do matter. And when you submit to Christ, all of a sudden the things that used to matter to you that that maybe weren't that important or or were unhealthy for you, those things don't matter anymore. So he's encouraging these people, hey, don't submit to a yoke of slavery. Submit to Jesus. Stand firm for freedom, Christ, to set you free. I wonder for you today, as you think about following Jesus with your whole heart, as you think about getting rid of things that aren't aren't healthy in your life and and starting new things and doing exactly what he calls you to do, does that sound like freedom to you? Does that sound like freedom? Because I'll be honest, like a lot of Christians act like following Jesus is more like slavery than it is freedom. So what's the, what's the problem? Like What is the disconnect? Is it, is it something like, is it really that following Jesus is gonna lead to more slavery? No, I think scripture's so clear that in the end, doing what Christ calls us to is going to be best. I had a conversation with my daughter last night, Cadence, and uh, she's our oldest, and I keep challenging her to be the leader of, of the other two, uh, and they follow her around, do exactly what she does. And so we had this conversation, and I was like, honey, you know what? Sometimes you're going to have to choose between doing what's, what's fun and doing what's right. You know, parents, you had this conversation before? When the other kids get around, they get crazy, and then all of a sudden they start doing things that are not right because they're trying to have fun. And so I found myself talking to my daughter. I'm like, you're going to have to choose between what's fun and what's right? And then halfway through this conversation, I got really convicted that I wasn't actually giving my daughter the whole truth. And I was like, you know what, honey, here's what actually is the truth in all of this. Ultimately, what is right is going to be the most fun. Because you know what just happened five minutes ago? You know how your hindsight's kind of hurting a little bit now? You know how, like, things are not going well, we're having this discussion, the night didn't go well? These are called consequences. And ultimately, the consequences of our mistake cause these things not to be that fun, and so all of the, all of the, the, the regulations or, or rules that you read in the Bible and you're like, oh, these just feel like regulations and rules are ultimately for our safety, for our joy. And ultimately, we will have the most fun and the most joy in life as we follow Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I just take an audit of your life and go, do I believe that? Do I really truly believe that following Christ is the most fun I will ever have? Because I believe this with all my heart, that, that we have missed this in some ways. We've, we've maybe preached this, that like, hey, you can, you're going to have to give up having fun to follow Jesus. And sometimes you're going to have to choose between doing the right thing and doing the fun thing. But I believe ultimately in the end, you will have the most fun and the most joy and the most peace in your life doing exactly what God calls you to do. I'll write this down if you can. A life without boundaries is a life of slavery. So just, just let's kind of play this out in our own lives. Have you seen this before? Where you haven't drawn lines on things and then things that were neutral or things that were even good then become bad things because you didn't give them boundaries. You've maybe experienced this. That's, that's what slavery is. It's, it's when good people and good things become their God, become the thing that they're submitting to. And you realize this, when you don't draw boundaries, all of a sudden you're in submission to that thing. Maybe you've all done it. You've bought the vehicle that you couldn't afford, and then now you're working 80 hours a week to pay for the stupid truck or whatever, and it's pretty. It's in the driveway. It looks awesome, and you're super cool because you drive it, but you don't get to spend time with your family. You don't get to spend time with your kids. you got to get a second job, and, and now you like, you're kind of like, do I own the truck or does the truck own me, right? I mean, who's really in charge here? Because you haven't drawn a boundary in that area of your life. So we see this all over the place where we don't draw boundaries and then we become enslaved. So at this point, maybe you're like, what does this have to do with our relationships, Brian? What does this have to do with civil? Or I wanna go into Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 14. And if you're like, I normally look it up on my phone, look it up on the little paper thing in front of you. It's called the Bible and uh, it's a book and you can open it up to Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So beautiful passage, I think, to close out this series with. About how to deal with people who disagree with you, who are different than you. Bless them and do not curse them. That's really hard to do especially when you really feel like you have an enemy. Bless them and curse them, although they're voting for the other guy or girl. Bless them and curse them, although they don't want you to get that promotion at work. Bless them and curse them, although they don't listen to anything that you say and they're going crazy in your house and you don't feel like they respect you. Bless them, don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. There's really a challenge to like, lean in relationally here and to have a, a connection with these people. And make sure that you're actually emotionally connected. But then it, it says this thing in the middle I want to really focus in on. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. And so here's, here's the rub for me. Uh, in, in my life, when I think of living peaceably with somebody, that means um, that I need to live in proximity with somebody. Like I feel like for me to be peaceable with you means that I need to be like in a close relationship with you. And he goes on to talk about how if somebody's thirsty, give them a drink. If they need food, give them food to eat. And so what I, I, I think I've always read into that is that I need to be in a close proximity relationship with really evil, unhealthy people. And here's the thing. This is going to get a little bit messy because, again, we, like Jesus, will lean into relationships with messy, evil people because we are messy, evil people. And so we will constantly do that. But at some point, we need to draw boundaries and lines so that we can be the people God is calling us to be. You see, there comes a point where somebody else's messiness, somebody else's unhealth and their inability to control themselves actually causes us to to stop being the person God is calling us to be. It's like we first talked about, because of who that person is, having them in this place in your life is actually taking away from who God is calling you to be. And so at some point, you end up having to choose between being who God wants you to be and being in a close proximity relationship with this person. And again, this is going to get really, I think, messy in a lot of your minds because you're like, how do you do this? And you're going to have to figure that out uh, for every relationship differently. But there comes a point where we need to draw boundaries with people and, and, and that even people, as they become unhealthy or are unhealthy, will take up a different kind of a different piece of real estate in our hearts, I would say, than, than somebody who is healthy. And, and maybe it's going to depend on a certain time of your life. Certain times in your life, you can be around really unhealthy, really uh, toxic, messy people, and it doesn't change who God is calling you to be. It's not messing with you too much. But there may be other seasons where you need to say, like, listen, every time I spend time with you, um, I start to hate the world, you know? Every time I hang out with you, I feel like I walk away really angry with somebody that I didn't used to have a problem with. And I don't know why, like, it's just, you talk and I just get, I get grumpy and irritable and I don't know what to do. Or, or, or whatever it may be, and you realize, listen, this is not a healthy relationship. It's not helping any of us. So we need to draw boundaries in our relationships. There needs to be boundaries. And I'll say this in my marriage, there's boundaries. Every marriage needs good boundaries. And, and you know, as a husband or a wife, when you step over them, don't you? You know, like when you're in this heated conversation and you cross the line. Have you been there? And you say that thing that you're like, "I just talked about her mother. I shouldn't have said anything about her mother. I can't believe I compared her to her mother." And then you're like, "You see the fire, right?" Um, never been there. I'm just saying. Um, (Laughter) And and you crossed the line because there's a boundary there and you either forgot about it or you just, you know, didn't pay any attention because you're angry. And you crossed it and now all of a sudden things are really unhealthy and and really broken. And you realize, no, there needs to be a boundary in what's said. In in your arguments, there need to be rules. There need to be sort of this like, these are the the battle lines that we draw. These things we cross and we talk about, these things we don't bring up. That thing that happened 10 years ago that we have dealt with, we don't bring it up again, you know. This type of language we don't use. We don't raise our voices. These are boundaries in the argument. So we draw boundaries in the relationship. But even beyond that, I would say this. My wife and I have had to learn, like, who is this person to us? Because I think in a lot of relationships, you start off being really enamored with each other. And that person can almost become an idol to you and a means to feel fulfilled as a human being. And before you know it, that person is almost your God. And so we've had to wrestle through that and go, you know what? My wife is never going to be the one who fulfills me as a human being. And that's good news. And and for for me, that she can look at her husband and say, you know what? My husband will never be the one that fulfills me as a human being. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one that can do that. And and when when you get that mixed up, the relationship gets really messy, right? Because they can't be a messy, imperfect human being because they're supposed to be God, right? They're supposed to fulfill me. And so when there's not boundaries of, of what that person's supposed to mean to you in this relationship, it gets really messy. You can talk about friendships. You can talk about, you know, parental relationships. There are things, there are boundaries, and they, they're always changing between me and my parents. Maybe for you, as you move out of the house. Maybe you get married. Maybe you have kids. The boundaries are changing And they're good. It's good to know, like for the parents to know, hey, we don't just pop in any single day that we want to, right? We call first. We check in. Can we come over? You guys are feeling this. Um, Can I come over? And, and, And just having those lines help to have a healthy relationship. Write this down. A life without boundaries is a life of broken relationships. It's a life of broken relationships. See, good boundaries mean good relationships. It's really important. If you have good boundaries with an unhealthy person, you can actually still be in a relationship with them. You can bring them a cup of water. You can bring them some food to eat. You can bless them and not curse them, as we just read in Romans 12. And you can do all of that without it becoming this, this unhealthy thing for you. But then when they're not, unhe- not healthy boundaries between you and that person, and that person starts to become like your means to fulfillment, or you need to know that they feel good so that you can feel good, all of a sudden it gets really unhealthy really unhealthy. So relationships have boundaries. Marriages have boundaries. Everything should have boundaries. So maybe you're thinking today, where, um, where, where's the line? How do I know? And, and I'm going to tell you, it's, you're going to have to figure that out because every relationship's going to be different. Every relationship is going to be different. But you first need to do this. Number one, decide where your life is going. The only way to determine where to draw the lines, how to draw the lines, what we're supposed to do, is to know, like, where am I headed in my life? Again, what I said earlier is that there are people in your life and things in your life that start to get in the way of where God is calling you and who He's calling you to be. So the first thing is to know, like, hey, where is my life going? Who do you really want to be? What are you really trying to become? You don't have to be a victim of your circumstances, of your family of the stuff that you own. You can actually stand up and make some some decisions. So so drawing boundaries isn't about losing control. It's actually about gaining control in your life. You need to see that. Like drawing boundaries with all the things that, even what's right written in Scripture as God calls you to do these things and not to do these things. It's not losing control. It's actually gaining control in your life. Second Corinthians Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So he's saying, Hey, as you as your your face is unveiled and you see the glory of the Lord, and I hope that you've experienced that, where you've just been come face to face with God at some moment in your life. When you behold his glory, you then are being transformed into His glory from one degree to the next. Essentially, he's talking about sanctification, which is the process of us becoming more like Christ. What he's saying is when you see the glory of the Lord, you just want to be more like Him. Like, do you have that friend that when you hang out with them, you walk away and go, I just want to be more like that person? You know, I mentioned it last week. but People love Angela. She got up and spoke. And Angela is somebody that I just love to be around. She just has the joy of God on her. And so when people hang out with her, they walk away and they're like, man, I want to be more like Angela. I love that. And I hope you're the kind of person that when people get, you know, away from you, they think, man, I want to be more like that person. But hopefully more than anything, when you experience God, when you see God, you're like, I want to be more like him. I I just want to be in close proximity with him. I want my life to be transformed to look more like him. This is why worship is so important, you guys. This is why every week we sing these Jesus songs from the front. And some of you, it's your thing. Some of you, it's not. I get it. You're like, I don't sing. Uh, It's it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I should raise my hands or move around or what I should do. It's so important because in those moments, it's all of us focusing all our energy towards the glory of God and just giving him praise and him honor. And we need to do that. And as we do that and come face to face with God, it's going to transform our hearts. And it's going to give us a vision for where we're going in this life and for who we want to become. So that's why worship is so key. But you need to know where you're going. You need to have a vision for your life. And when you decide where you're going, you can draw the right boundaries. When you decide who God wants you to be, you can draw healthy boundaries. Maybe you're somebody who struggled with alcohol. And so you know, God is calling me to live a sober life. He's calling me to be in a sober environment. And yet there are people in close proximity in your life who don't have that same understanding. And so there comes a point where you say, you know what, because of who God is calling me to do, I'm going to go, I'm going to live a life in a sober environment. And so if you want to be with me in that, that's awesome. But if you can't be with me in that, then then we need to draw some boundaries in our relationship. Maybe it's simply like, I am a child, I'm a man or woman built in the image of God, and I'm created with value and with worth, and so I'm going to live a life that, that is not abusive. Like, I don't, I'm not going to live an abusive life. And, and so because of that, I'm going to invite you to be in a relationship with me. But if you can't align with God's vision for my life, then I'm going to have to draw some boundaries. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean this person has to be, you know, shot out of your life and you never talk to him again. But it means there's going to be some boundaries if they can't align with God's vision for who you are as a human being. This may sound like this isn't loving. And this is, that's why this is a hard conversation. But this is actually the most loving thing that you can do sometimes. Sometimes drawing boundaries is the most loving thing you can do in a relationship and say, listen, this is acceptable, this over here is not. And when you get over here, you cross the line, that means that boundaries are gonna move and things are gonna change. I mean, you know you can love somebody from a distance, right, you know you can love somebody with a restraining order, right, right? Okay, I hope so, right, like I think so. No, you can, you can love people with distance, it's okay. It's okay to do this. Last week, we talked all about leaning in and fighting the good fight. This week, I want to tell you and empower you, there is a time to draw boundaries. So it first starts with where you're going. Who are you trying to become? What are you trying to do? The second thing is this, prune toxic things and toxic people from your life. Prune them out. I didn't say unhealthy people, because then you wouldn't have any friends, um, and nobody would be friends with you, right? Right? So uh, I didn't say unhealthy people. We all have unhealth and we all have problems. I said toxic people. You know, there's a point where something goes from being unhealthy to being toxic, right? It's like, okay, I, I have a problem with this. My garage is a little full of junk. And then there's a point where like nothing fits in there, right? And you go, okay, this is a problem. Relationally. Some people are unhealthy. Uh, We all are in different ways. And so you can be around that person, mentor them, encourage them, and, and, you know, try to to be in that relationship. But there's a point where that person becomes toxic to you. And that's the point where you go, okay, this is unhealthy for me. There may be something in your life specifically that has become toxic to you. Maybe to somebody else, it's a morally neutral thing. Maybe it's an item that you own. Uh, Maybe it's something that you are in a habit of doing. Whatever it is, and you know, like, okay, this has become toxic. This has become an obsession. This has become something that, like, owns my thoughts, and essentially this is what I worship, if I'm honest. So that means that you got to make a tough call in your life and go, how do I get rid of this thing? Because it's actually holding an unhealthy place in my heart. So draw lines. Prune toxic things. Prune toxic people from your life. It doesn't mean you never talk to them again. It doesn't mean you can't give them a cup of water if they're thirsty or you know, a little food if they're hungry. You can do that. But again, you can do that from a distance because God has a vision for your life. And if you're not going where God is calling you to go, you're not gonna be an effective kingdom worker in this world. And church, listen, uh, the world needs more Christians who have a vision for their life. The world needs more people who know where God is calling them, who understand that the kingdom of God is coming and that, that the world is all coming to a head and it's going whether you like it or not. The world needs more believers who believe this with all their heart, who will get on board with his vision for the world and for themselves. People are thirsty for it. The third thing is this. Organize your life around your purpose and not your problems. Instead of being somebody that's just a fireman or a firewoman, you run around just putting out problems, putting out uh, fires in your life, decide what your purpose is. Who is God calling you to be? And when you understand who he's calling you to be, then you can align your entire life around those things, around what's important to you. You see, I think a lot of times we don't define like what's valuable to us. We don't really know like, here's what I wanna be. Here's the legacy I want to leave for the world around me. This, this is important. More than anything, I wanna become somebody that looks like Jesus and I wanna help other people find him, that's my vision. That's my vision for my life. I wanna look more like Jesus and I wanna help people find him. And so if you know what your vision is, then you can align everything else in your life underneath that vision. And now all of a sudden you're gonna be like cruising and you're gonna feel more encouraged and more purposeful. See, I think a lot of the reason people don't feel like they have purpose and they wake up you know, every morning wondering why am I here, what am I doing, is because over here are the things that they value And over here is everything they spend their time and energy and resources doing. And so what I'm calling you as the church, and all of us, you know, me included too, is to determine who we want to become. Where is my life going? What do you really want to leave this world when you move on to the next? And when you determine what that thing is, then you'll be able to align everything underneath it, and you're going to be excited about life. You'll be able to say no to the things that you don't need to do. You'll be able to draw boundaries in this relationship because you know where you're going. You'll be able to say yes to things. You'll know like, okay, Brian, just threw out this ministry opportunity. There's something ACF Church is doing and I gotta be a part of it because I know I know that's where I'm going. That's, I know that's what I'm all about. I do this in my life with our family. We draw lines all the time. Um, my kids don't play every sport. They all play one sport. Drawing that line. We just say, listen, you guys can do one extracurricular activity because we want time together as a family. Uh, for me as a pastor, from day one stepping into uh, the, the position that I'm in here at ACF Church, I've been trying to draw boundaries. And I go home at 5, 5.30 at night. And sometimes I shut my phone off. And you want to get a hold of me, but you can't. And, and if that upsets you, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Because there's, there's space to draw lines. And I don't answer my emails on the weekend. You know, like there are things that we do to draw boundaries so that we can be healthy individuals. You've got to be full so you can pour out into other people. So draw those lines. Know what your goal is. Again, I want to tell you the shift is this. Drawing boundaries isn't about losing control. It's about gaining it. Drawing lines, choosing what you're about, is about gaining control of your life and aligning it with your vision. I want to close out with this. There's some big things happening in our church right now. Um, these are pivotal times, I would say, for ACF Church. Um, if you haven't heard, uh, there's a card in the seat in front of you about ACF's next step. And I haven't talked about it for the past four weeks. We brought it up four weeks ago um, that ACF Church, it feels like God is calling us to a vision um, to really plant ourselves in this location in Eagle River. And this is a really big deal for us. Um, Essentially, if you haven't been around for very long, ACF Church has operated sort of like a church plant for a long time. Um, you know, seven years ago or so, we moved into this building with 30 people. Now there's, you know, over a thousand people uh, on a week or something. It's like there's lots of people in this church, and the church is growing and good things are happening. And so um, we started praying a year ago as a leadership team what is God calling us to do? And how do we align what we're doing with our, our resources and all that we're doing with the vision that God has given us? Because we really want to leave a legacy in, Ace, in, in Eagle River. Like, we really want this city, when when I'm dead and gone, I want for my fingerprint to be on Alaska and on Eagle River. I want to leave something here, and we all do. And so we feel like God is calling us to really plant ourselves here, and that means that we need to do some things with our facilities so that we can continue uh, to make room for people. Because here's the deal, you guys, we're going to run out of space really soon. Like, that's just the reality of it. Praise God for that. That's a good problem. Here's what you need to know about me. I love this church. And I love you guys, and I love our city, and um, I am so behind this, and our leadership is so behind this. Um, so we've, we've got a huge goal, and somebody told me once, um, here's how you know that you are uh, following God with your vision, is when it's a vision that you can't accomplish on your own. And so we've done that. Uh, we've set a huge goal uh, in eight months to raise $1.575 million. And, uh, and if you haven't heard that number, you just gasp a little bit, because that's a big number. Um, but we, I haven't even thrown that out throughout this, this series. We decided that God was calling us to do this a little different. We're not doing some slick financial campaign. Um, trust me, I kind of wanted to because we know how to do slick. Um, and we said, you know what, we're not going to do slick. We're just going to um, bring this before the people. And if this is where God is calling us, we're going we're to see this happen. And it's going to be eight months. And so next week is the week that we're bringing in our cards. It's the first week. People will be able to be a part of the ACF Next Step throughout the eight months, but this is the kind of the first big opportunity for us all to come together and to make our commitments to the next step. And so we, this week, we are talking with our kids at dinner about this, and we're like, hey, here's what's going on with the church, and they're getting all excited, you know, that, uh, that we're, we need to add on and do some things. And, and uh, my, my oldest, Cadence, she goes, um, well, well, what can we do? She goes, uh, maybe we can sell a bunch of our toys. And I was like, Oh, man, you know, as a daddy, my heart just melted. I'm like, that's awesome. So cool you want to be a part of that. So I'm like, yeah, you should do that. So they got, they like left dinner and ran upstairs. And, you know, I'm just hearing things falling in their bedroom and things are moving around and stomping around. And, you know, downstairs, all I said, pick three, pick three. So they come downstairs in the living room and they laid out their toys and they picked the ugliest, most used, most terrible toys that anybody could ever imagine. Just these things were just rotten and worn out. And it's like, here's my old blanket with holes in it. And here's all this stuff. And I'm like, man, uh, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. What did God give you? I was like, what, what did God give you? And, and they're like, uh, Jesus. They gave us Jesus. Okay. And I was like, do you know Jesus is God's very best? They're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. You know what he did for you? He died for us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he died for us. So God sends his son Jesus to die for you. And they're like looking at their like holy blankets and they're torn. And I I was like, here's the thing. God deserves our very best. And I really connected with them because I'm like, this is what I would do. If it's like, hey, what can I bring God? Leftovers, right? Whatever I've got sitting around, let's just give him that. And so they ran back upstairs and they brought down their very best. They brought down electronics. You guys have kids, you know electronics are a big deal. Uh, They brought down toys that they sleep with every night and things that are really important to them. And so my wife auctioned them off on Facebook. So, um, and they gave, and and so my kids uh, this week made the most um, substantial donation to the mission of what's happening in our city that they've ever made in their life. And so that's uh, essentially what we've asked you to do, is to consider being a part of this. And and just so you know, somebody a couple weeks ago was like, hey, it really helped uh, to hear you say like what God's doing in, in your heart. And so my wife and I have talked about this a lot. We've got some savings that we're going to put into this. Um, I'm going to sell a vehicle um, to put into this. And then I went home this week and I told Amanda, I'm like, and I didn't know what she'd say. I said, Amanda, I feel like what God's calling us to do. and I'm not telling you what God's calling you to do, but he's calling us uh, to give up my paycheck for the month of December. And I'm going like, how's she going to respond? What's she going to do? And she goes, well, what about giving up my paycheck? And I was like, well, hold on. I was like, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here because I'm always the person that's like hitting the brakes. And I, I feel like when it comes to what's going on politically and economically, like I just want to hold up and get tight and hold tight to my stuff. And that, I feel like that's going to protect me. And so we can weather the storm. Oh, man, man. And I was just thinking, I'm like, do I really believe that? do I really think that I can protect myself with a few extra bucks in the bank? Do I really think that in the end, like this is what's going to align with God's vision for my life? And so we just came up with kind of a crazy number of what God was calling us to do. And uh, we're just going to spend the next eight months hitting that number. And so we've asked you to just pray. Uh, We haven't done this slick campaign. We haven't done the thermometer in the lobby and, you know, making it this whole thing. We've just said, would you just pray? And so we're going to come together this week on Monday. We're going to pray for our nation. We're gonna pray for our next step because I believe this. I believe there's never been a time like now that the church needs to establish itself and rise up to God's call on their lives. Never been a time like there is right now. And you might think it's time to be careful. It's time to you know, pull back. This is not the right time I and mean, there couldn't be a better time than what's happening right now around us for the church to say, you know what? The mission continues no matter who is in office as president. Amen? The mission continues. And so let's pray for that this week. Let's bow our heads. God, as we look forward to the future, we know that your kingdom is coming. And as the world seems to be in conflict and things seem to be getting worse, at the same time, God, we know that the light of the kingdom is getting brighter and brighter every day. It's getting harder too, God. Uh, As things get difficult and tough, um, sometimes we just want to tuck and run. Sometimes we want to protect ourselves. and um, Yeah, God, we know that in the end, the darkness will get darker, but your light will get lighter. And so, Father, would you place a vision on the hearts of every individual in this room, God, that we would be part of your kingdom movement. God, we know this is where things are going. And it's a, God, it's an honor that you would let us be a part of it. God, it's an honor that we have resources and, and abilities that we can use for your kingdom so, God, could you you just kill that part of us that um, is holding tight to our stuff or tight to our abilities or our time, God, and and feels like that's going to protect us, God, and give us a better vision so that we could be part of what you're doing, God, so that we could see the joy, uh, God, of noticing, of seeing that people's lives are changed by the gospel and knowing that we're a part of it. So, uh, God, we pray your kingdom would come in Eagle River. We pray that people would be welcomed home into the family of God for years and years to come. God, and that ACF church would be a a shining light on this corner in a really dark community for years to come. God, and as we worship in the next few minutes, give us a vision of who we're to become. Help us to just behold the glory of the Lord. And God, I pray because we see you, we would drawn to become more like you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys, thanks.